filling the shortfall, filling the gap is extremely difficult. So either a presenter, a performer will come into an environment with the guard up and be that grumpy, throw themselves around, tut and huff and all the rest of it, or they'll fill the space with extreme personality. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Which is also equally exhausting and worrying (laughs) until the red light goes on. My guest today is a very good friend of mine. She's a host. She's an international speaker. She's an award-winning speaker. She's a TEDx speaker. She's even a former BBC presenter. She escaped from the BBC a bit like me. (laughs) And she's also El Presidente, the president of the Professional Speaking Association in Manchester, Penny Haslam. Hello, hello, hello. round of applause. Oh, and an so author. Nice. I even missed out author. Oh, yeah, I'm an author. author. You're an author. The list is quite feel? long. And I, mm. I think I don't often look back and go, oh, I've done really well. Because I don't, you know, I, I think if you're striving for always for, to be better, you kind of don't appreciate what you've done in the past. And the other day I kind of had to think about, oh, I used to do, I used to do the, the news on the telly, on national telly. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that's quite big, isn't it? It's taken me all this time to realize. But when you're it's surrounded really by people big. who are speaking or doing anything like that, you kind of forget that it's special, don't you? Like in any circumstance, you know, if you're, if you're powering on as a lawyer or a, an accountant or whatever, you're surrounded by people doing it, you, do, you yes. forget how brilliant you are. I know. And Penny, you are brilliant. And, you, and I can't <laughs> wait to pick your brains because I know you're going to have loads of tips to share about confidence, about mm. how to do it, how to look good, how to be on camera. And we're going to cover all of that. Um, so first of all, we are post-COVID. We are PC now, post-COVID. And I mean, you've been helping people to look um, good on camera, but how did you actually find the, the lockdown itself? Did you, I know you did a podcast, didn't you? A gardening podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the how crack is that so um obviously lockdown 1.0 sent everyone into a tailspin and rightly so it was the weirdest strangest oddest time and in a way it was um exhilarating and I don't mean in a in a positive way but in a kind of like oh my gosh this is this is dreadful it was a it was it was galvanizing and exhilarating and it was thrilling and it was devastating and it was so much wasn't it I mean I'm not going to even bother describing it but so after a month of running around the house and my arms in the air like going ah (laughs) (laughs) ah we're doomed um I calmed down a bit and life settles down doesn't it in its own strange way although there's all oddities around it all the time and I was out in the garden a lot because the weather was glorious and I love gardening and I'm not very good at it, by the way. Don't expect any sort of expert tips from gardening in my garden podcast. <laughs> I thought you were brilliant at it. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> but maybe you, you know less than I do, Esther, I would imagine. <laughs> I really do know less, yes. <laughs> I kill plants. Yeah, well, there you go. So um, so uh, given the background in radio, uh, making radio programs, love podcasts and my husband, who's also a producer director, that sort of thing, has got a long history in radio, just came out into the garden one day with a microphone and went, tell us what you're doing then. I was like, what? Oh, a microphone, sure. <laughs> this is a virtually confident podcast where we talk about confidence and we're going to be giving away confidence tips, which is fantastic because you've got actually a whole course about resetting your confidence button. I just want to ask you though about this. So you're, you come across as a really confident person. Thank you. And one of my colleagues recently said, it's really weird. I've done all these podcasts and 
And then we, we really were having a laugh and then we press record and then it's it's not a laugh anymore and we kind of lose our personalities. Yeah. And, and I thought, oh, Penny's not going to be like that. No. <laughs> because I, that's ex- as a producer, as a former BBC, well, as a BBC escapee, I call myself, as a former BBC producer, my job was to press record and that's when you come to life. That's when you have a laugh. That's when you're, you have banter and, oh, it's a bit funny and it's a bit, oh, maybe it's a bit on the, on the you know, borderline. But, you know, you don't press record and then have a boring podcast. To no. me, that is a crime. It's, so, it's, a, it's an art, isn't it, of knowing yeah. that that's what your job is when you get when record gets pressed do you yes. remember working in environments like a radio studio a tv studio and like the grumpiest of presenters would come in <laughs> they'd like throw their newspaper down in the morning s- throw themselves into a chair sigh like the world was on it the- like they had the worst job in the world like they were going down a pit or something like that going down a mine <laughs> They'd be scowling at everyone. They'd go into makeup, throw their toys out the pram about something on the script, and then they'd settle down into their chair. The light would go on on top of the camera, and then suddenly they'd be the nicest people in the world. And that's how it should be. Obviously, <laughs> I'd like the, yes, yeah. the less of the drama beforehand. But yeah, yes, I, without the bullying bit beforehand. Yeah. Being, <laughs> being actually... your best self on your best day, you know, or being being yeah. your best self on a good day. Well, we're not going to say, we're not going to mention any names here, but I, we've both got some showbiz stories. We might share a couple of those um, later in the show. But um, I used to work with a presenter and, and I used to describe her as she was only normal when the red light was on. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, when you press record, like, hi, welcome to the show. And it was like this lovely, warm, bubbly, well-spoken, <laughs> relaxed, beautiful, generous person. But as soon as the red light went on, it was anxiety, panic, literally, yeah. you know, it was like the most, you know, people really, really were in tears, often regularly people in tears behind norm- the scenes. normal people don't have that, which is yes. why when the the button gets pressed to record or the red light goes on, um, nerves really do flood the body and adrenaline floods the body. But um, the, the good thing about that is that you're not a drama diva idiot. Most of the time. <laughs> now, I've recognised in that what the, the issue there is a lot of presenters, professional paid presenters, have really big egos to satisfy, but very little self-assuredness. Or awareness. Or awareness. <laughs> awareness. That would be a good start, wouldn't it? And so the filling the shortfall, filling the gap, is extremely difficult. So either a presenter, a performer will come into an environment with the guard up and be that grumpy, throw themselves around, tut and huff and all the rest of it. Or they'll fill the space with extreme personality. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Which is also equally exhausting and worrying (laughs) until the red light goes on. And I've seen this in all sorts of forms, in all sorts of places. And I just was never like that. And I never felt that I fitted the brief of a real proper presenter because I was just quite a normal person really and quite chatty in the office and then quite chatty on air as well. So... Yay! That's Yay. that's your first tip. Be normal. Be a normal person, and don't fly off the handle yeah. or cry or be nice. Now, the one thing that's really um, surprised me doing recording this podcast series and speaking to the most amazing people that come across as really confident, from writers to TED Talk speakers to TED Talk curators who work with TED Talk speakers, you know, and um, people that run organisations, business owners. 
Um, people come across as really confident. And, and Penny, you come across as really confident. What I found is that quite often that's not really the, the, the real stories. You're not just confident all the time or born confident. No, absolutely not. And I think this is the big, you know, the travesty really, which I'm trying to help correct through my workshops and my talks about confidence, is that we all need to get speaking about it a bit more. We need to delve into it a little bit more for ourselves because it's seen as this personal issue, this private problem that we need to go away and, you know, in a, in a corner in our own homes, just deal with and carry around like a big burden all of our lives. Um, but the more we talk about it, the more we realise and get awareness that actually those people over there who look like they know what they're doing and they're really confident don't feel the same. And so the the trick, I think, is to stop comparing your internal experience or sensation or feeling about how you feel uh, to do with confidence with other people's external behaviors, which are often demonstrating confidence, but they're not necessarily feeling it inside. Some people do. I mean, I feel now at the age of eight, um, uh, I don't mind. Every birthday is a gift as far as I'm concerned. I'm in my late 40s. And yes. um, I'm almost there. <laughs> I'm almost at the end of that. Yes. Uh, so I think with, with at that age, although age isn't necessarily related to developing confidence at all, but at my age right now, I feel very confident, but I've worked really hard at it over the last 20 years since I started off as a junior producer on a Radio 4 programme where everyone around me was super confident. They all knew what they were doing, didn't they? Uh, <laughs> or so I thought, you know, but yes. we never had a conversation about it. And I could never declare that I felt like a fraud, like I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. And, and I, you know, was unsure of myself because that would have given the game away, wouldn't it? And I would have been sacked. That was my thinking. That was my logical conclusion to that. So did you have imposter syndrome when yeah. imposter syndrome wasn't quite invented yet? Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> I it was did rampant. It was awful. <gasps> it was terrible. I just thought that everyone at the BBC was so clever and I was mm. this imposter coming in because I couldn't really write really long long scripts with long words and and, and I wasn't really a kind of thinker, deep thinker. I, yeah. I was more I was more showbiz and that's why quite often I would I was put in charge of the whole show because I was I was I was good at coming up with the ideas and I was always focused on what's coming out of the speakers. You're a great communicator, Esther. That was the point. You're a great communicator, but not yeah. necessarily in the way that they expected you to be or the way that you perhaps thought you should be. Um, but those yeah, like, and I kind of felt ever... like I was scolded for it. Yeah, I felt yeah. like I was like you know people would say the trouble with you, Esther, is you got too many ideas. And the it was like I was told you. That's off. Awful. The trouble with you, and like, like I'm, I'm going to actually write a book, The Trouble with You, and just yeah. say, what's your trouble? Get it off your chest. You might, find, you might find that the trouble with you is, is actually the best thing about you. Absolutely. <laughs> One of the things that I didn't really want to do was specialise in anything. I was a really good all-rounder. I loved music. I could have gone on to work on Radio 2. I wanted to, but I, by that time, people have boxed me into um, a, being a a personal finance journalist. I was like, I don't care about personal finance. I don't, <laughs> I don't find it interesting in the slightest. I bet you do now. <laughs> I do. It's slightly more interesting, yes. Um, <laughs> as is Radio 4 in general. Um, <laughs> but I was actually told in the same sort of way to intellectualise more, Penny. Your problem is, is you have too much fun. <laughs> oh, well, that's probably why we get on, isn't yes. it? Because we met each other and we're like, oh, <gasps> 
you're quite fun. You're not one of those, those yeah. intellectual types that yeah. take themselves really seriously. And then I've got to ask you about this, Penny. I have to ask because I am a little bit obsessed with it, that you became the ambassador of Weight Watchers. I mean, mm. because to me, confidence is about self-image and, and your body image. And, you know, I mean, for me, I'm, I've got quite a bad relationship with my weight because I'm always trying to lose weight and I don't really diet successfully. But my goodness, that must have been... So was it was it liberating because you la- that's when you left the BBC right Yeah it's an interesting point in my life actually I had had um quite a lot of weight on after my pregnancy with my daughter and I was on national television on BBC news channel every hour doing bulletins business bulletins standing in front of the the FTSE 100 board and going the markets are up <clears throat> the markets are down Eurozone is, and I didn't really care. And also I'd had, um, uh, you know, a few, I didn't really feel welcome there in that role. I was freelance. So the only way that I knew I was doing an okay job was because I kept on getting asked back to do the shifts. I never got any positive feedback. And when I asked for it, this one particular individual looked me up and down and went, well, I don't know if you're any good. I mean, I don't know if you're a bimbo or not, or whether you uh, (laughs) actually know what you're doing. What's your name again? It's like, oh, right. Okay. So I felt really lost. I felt overweight. Um, my relationships weren't great. I was dating. Uh, the I was a single parent. I just, I didn't know how to get out of that fug. I didn't know how, what else I could do with my life. Um, and I was really lost, I think. I think being on air as well every day was really exposing without the support. I've totally walked 100 miles in the shoes of, of people who are doing this for the first time, you know, recording and doing podcasts and videos. Um, it is t- terribly exposing. Um, so when I got a call out of the blue from from Weight Watchers who said, <laughs> we're not saying you're fat, but... <laughs> and I was over for that call. <laughs> I was carrying that baby weight and the baby was about seven by then. Yeah. So, you know... <laughs> It was an opportunity and I'm a very, I might not always be confident, but I love challenge and change and I like taking blind leaps of faith. So I, I left the BBC, um, previously I went, took voluntary redundancy and became a freelancer. I then left a, you know, a high profile broadcasting job that was making me unhappy to go and take the corporate shilling. And, you know, you do get paid as a celebrity ambassador. Mm-hmm. Um, to- An ambassador as well. Ambassador. <laughs> so as a celebrity ambassador, you, you do get paid. So I was getting paid to lose weight, which helped, helped focus the mind. But before, the mind wasn't focused at all. Yeah. I couldn't eat curries and pizzas and drink wine and croissants and pan au chocolats for breakfast and then have another breakfast or a bacon butty and then have, you know, it's just, that was my week all week. And, you know, being a single parent, I wasn't getting out very much either. So um, I was delighted that I got on air with extra weight. It just proves that there isn't so much of a, a body fascism going on there. And um, didn't, didn't Patsy Kensett do the Weight Watchers? Yeah. So there were Who three, else was doing it? Three yeah. I think we were the last of the expensive celebrity brand ambassadors. Right. Um, Fatsy Kensett, who very unkindly was called Fatsy Kensett in the tabloid. <laughs> if you remember that. I, I don't remember her ever being overweight. It wasn't. But it was no. the, the tabloids and you yeah. know, British sort of media spotlight on celebrities or people in showbiz that they need to be stick thin. 
in order to look normal on TV. So I was yeah. a size, I think she was a size 12. It's hardly massively overweight, is it? But um, <laughs> anyway, and there was Greg Wallace, who was plainly morbidly obese on MasterChef, wasn't he? The, the bald yes, guy Yes, I actually remember him coming into the radio studio when I was doing Vanessa's show. And I remember him coming in and you didn't know what you were going to get when he walked in. One day it could be some big, large, funny guy and then he'd bring in, you know, quiche and to eat and stuff. And then he'd come in another time and he'd be stick thin. Mm. And you almost couldn't recognise him. Yeah, so we all did really well on the Weight Watchers programme, which was and is, it remains, a fantastic way to lose weight. It's a lifetime of eating well. It's a lot of chopping veg, Esther, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a lot but of chopping you, you veg. you seem to eat really normally. When I meet you, 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 you never deprive yourself of wine or you go, oh, yeah, I'm going to order chips. And I think, oh, gosh, how do you stay so slim? Every well, time I meet you, I, I go, how do you stay so slim? Well, I'm not dead slim. I'm a size 14. I'm normal. Do you know what I mean? I'm normal yeah. sort of um, woman, I think. And I'm really proud of that. But the whole experience gave me lessons in thinking about food over a period of time so yes glass of wine with esther is great isn't it i'm talking about i'm talking about you oh, in the third yeah. person yes, glass of- yeah, yeah. i wouldn't mind doing that myself <laughs> yes. i'd love to go out with myself um a glass of wine with you on a tuesday night after we've done um a, a you know an engagement speaking engagement together is brilliant and then I know that I'm not going to, you know, not let myself eat whatever in the next few days, but probably won't repeat that several million times again, uh, knowing, you know, it's like I know what to do in order to put the pedal on or put the brake on. Um, and I, it's not because I want to look a certain way and it's not because I would encourage anyone to think about looks first and foremost. It's comfort. So does your waistband feel comfortable? Do your knees ache? Do you, mm. does your do you like get looks from people you want to get looks from? Um, do you feel, and, and that only comes when you're feeling sassy in yourself, doesn't it? When mm. your waistband isn't digging into yourself and when your knees don't hurt, mm. you know, so that, I don't know, it's a health thing, isn't it? And I think yeah. they, they changed their brand title, didn't they? They're no longer Weight Watchers, they're Wellness That oh. Works or something, WW. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, interesting. I think yeah. it's a bit of a mistake, actually, but I'm not a brand advisor. But anyway. <laughs> no, so, no, exactly. <laughs> but I can't thank them enough. And the turning point, not just the weight, not yeah. just the look and the feel of, of how I felt, was that they had asked me, what did I want what did I want to do in the advert that I was going to be on the TV advert? What wouldn't I do on the TV advert? And one of the things I said I wouldn't do was walk through a kitchen eating yogurt because I just thought it would look ridiculous <laughs> and it put women back into this kind of pathetic place where all we think about is losing weight and eating yogurts in kitchens alone. And in fact, there was yeah. a, um, a social media campaign, I suppose, if you like, at the time, uh, called "Women Laughing into Salads Alone." So, if you Google that, <laughs> it's a it's a stock photography sort of <laughs> Mickey take on those ridiculous images of women laughing into salads alone, and there are loads of them everywhere. It's so funny. My my fifteen year old daughter always says, "Oh yeah, you know, in the Kardashians, they always have a salad." So she's like, "Mom, what salads have we got? What salads?" And I'm like, "Why are you into? You mm. don't really like salad that much." Oh yeah, no, because I, when I watch the Kardashians, they're always eating salad. They're always eating salad. It's like that, that's absolutely the image that you've got. It's like, "Oh, I'm so hungry. Pass me the lettuce leaf." Oh, it's tragic, isn't it? Absolutely <laughs> so listen, tragic. 
Penny, this is such a, um, you've got such a, such great um, experiences to share and also the insights into confidence. So let's get on to tips. Let's get some, okay. let's get some takeaways, right? Let's get, let's get some big tips in action. Mm. So one of my tips yeah. is one of my theories, which is I think if we all woke up in the morning and said, I'm only going to be 80% perfect today. I think we would all speak more, speak more in women, would speak more in public. We would let ourselves go. We would move jobs. We would be happier and, and take more risks and not worry so much about failure. That's one of my confidence tips is to be less perfect and actually actively be 80% rather than 100% perfect. And that's after the McKinsey report about men are likely to take a punt and go for a job if they're only 60% sure, whereas women want to be 100% mm. right and proper and absolutely, I don't want to leave any stone unturned. I want to know everything. When so I, that's one of my yes, big, big a, What do you think? I think it's fantastic. I mean, it comes up in lots of different guises, that one, doesn't it? And you can yeah. say it to yourself however you like, whether it's 80% perfect or I give less of a crap today. Um, <laughs> or one I use is... And it resonates with people when I speak. Uh, audiences are nodding heads and go, oh, yes, right, got it. I've even uh, made it into a postcard. Someone framed this uh, in their home, sent me a social media snap of it and went, oh, this is my mantra. Stop colouring in. Stop colouring in and sketch your future. Because we spend so much time dotting the I's, crossing the T's, making sure our work is perfect, ourselves are perfect, our homes are perfect, our children are perfect, our Instagram feed is perfect, la, la, la. Mm. And it mm. really gets in the way of everything else. So stop colouring in, just, just jog on. Don't bother making it all neat and tidy, colouring up to the edges with all your nice pens, <laughs> you know, and spending time. You know, that's the procrastinator's space, isn't it? And I think yes. when we seek perfection, we're, we're hiding behind it and we are fearful I used to say this to myself all the time. I can't do sales and marketing. I can't. When I first set up in business, having left the BBC. Yes. And to be fair, I couldn't. I, <laughs> I was, but I was also frightened of it. And yes. I was frightened of what it meant. Because when you set up in business and it's you, you're the motivational speaker, you're the coach or trainer, it's your yes. name. To be suddenly pushing that out there is, again, it's that feeling of exposure, uh, feeling yeah. exposed. I wanted yes. to hide. I didn't want to I didn't want to put the wrong foot forward and get criticized. I yes. was unsure of how I might come across. I didn't want to come across as a show off or anyone who was too salesy, but I also needed some customers Esther really yes. badly. So <laughs> I, I had, remember us meeting in the Bread Street kitchen downstairs in Bread Street, right near St. Paul's, one morning for breakfast mm. quite a few years ago. And I remember you saying, right, I'm ready now. That's it. I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember I had a business coach at the time and, and I, know, I knew exactly how you felt because I remember it's a bit like I didn't know how to get promoted. When I was at the BBC, I, was ex I felt exposed mm -hmm. and I felt I didn't know that you had to actually not show off, but share your talents and, and just agree with yourself that it's okay to be okay with mm. having talents. You know, rather than all oh, the trouble with being an ideas person or the trouble with having too many ideas, I never knew that that was an asset. I never knew how to sell myself. I didn't know how to self-promote. Mm. And I thought, um, just like you, you've explained as well, I thought it, it was might be big-headed. Is it big-headed to talk about yourself? Is, are you a show-off? If you say that you're an ideas person, 
you know so when did that when did you realize like it's okay it's not being exposed it's you can have fun with it when did you realize that there wasn't a watershed moment it really sort of rather boringly as a story came over time (laughs) (laughs) i do that's that's a tip that's a good tip (laughs) yeah but i mean the tip is um put your one foot in front of the other every day stop coloring in and do more sketches one foot in front of the other one thing a day is that's a pretty good tip absolutely and it does build as long as you take time to reflect on your progress and go oh well actually a year ago I was really nervous about doing that or really unsure of myself but now I do it all the time that's brilliant I speak at meetings all the time I share my ideas that's cool I've come a long way and so recognizing your progress is a really valuable part of building confidence Um, and remember that confidence can come in and out um, on a Monday, you can wake up and go, right, I'm going to do this. And, you know, that conversation at Bread Street Kitchen, We must, I must have been in a, I'm going to do this. Because actually, it's not until now that I feel that I am actually doing it. So that was about seven <laughs> years ago, Esther. Do you yes. know that? Um, do you know what? You know, when, when, I, when we first met, I'd only just done a couple of speaking gigs I wasn't a natural speaker and that's why I wrote my book Goodbye Glossophobia about the fear of public speaking because I wasn't a natural I mean I remember looking at you thinking she's so she's got it well this is so not afraid look at her this is the demonstration (laughs) of what you're perceiving in someone else but not actually understanding in someone else because I would never reveal that because you know we're in business we're meant to be doing well I am a natural speaker on stage but what I'm not natural at is working out the business side of it and um offering customers something more than just a an hour's talk on a stage and it wasn't until much later that I developed coaching and training programs workshops you know all the rest of it that you had in place so I was looking at you thinking (laughs) she's so confident and she's got so many customers and I don't have anyone and I don't know what I'm doing and all the rest of it so hey maybe we should have compared notes a little sooner um it's difficult isn't it you know quick coffee in a busy day you're not really going to go oh do you know what I'm not really feeling very confident because most of the time we're all right you know most of the time you can put one foot in front of the other so I think tip big tip would really be develop as much self-awareness as you can about how you talk to yourself and how you're feeling and match up whether how you speak to yourself and how you're feeling is the reality of your achievements and try and bring together a dossier if you like of fabulous achievements that you've made over the years or small wins you've had where you did speak at a meeting and someone went hey do you know what that is a great idea let's do something about it um rather than focusing on the negatives I mean you and I've just both brought up two things that happened many (laughs) years ago I was told I might be a bimbo and you were told you had too many ideas and yet we still remember those don't we and we're not really not going oh do you remember that time I someone said I was amazing it's just not natural (laughs) to show off like that is it but but we do forget those times so I when I work with people I encourage them to to evidence to bring evidence in this dossier to the negative self-talk that they perhaps are doing to yeah. notice it and to be able to combat it. One one of them got in touch and went, I've done um, a special folder on my email that's called Confidence Swipe Box. And whenever I get a nice email or somebody says something nice to me, I write it, email myself or I just swipe the email into that folder. And then 
when I'm feeling a little down or a little unsure of myself, I open up all those emails and it's like a chocolate box of loveliness. Um, and I can really build my confidence back up again. So it's something that you work on, I think, rather than you just have. That's a really good idea. Actually, I was doing, um, I was I was speaking at an event the other day and one of the women said she has, I can't remember what she calls it, but it's a similar thing. It's like a, a folder of love or something mm. or something, a folder of success. And, um, and I've read lots of, um, lots and lots of, uh, examples and, and been speaking to people. I mean, I speak to leaders all over the world. So do you. And everybody has lacks confidence at some point. Everybody has dips. Every particularly, you know, we've had COVID nineteen and people were tearing their hair out, just thinking, "What am I going to do?" And they had huge confidence dips. Yeah, and McKin- actually, I think there's a, a McKinsey report that says, you know, three quarters of women leaders have experienced imposter syndrome in their leadership role. Oh yes. So to I thought that would be more like ninety nine percent. Yeah. Who are these twenty five percent? Yes. I want to meet them because when I speak when I speak at places like big um, um, accountancy firms and global organisations, you know, there was one time when I was talking about you know, I was at the launch of this big, you know, women stepping into a leadership role. I was launching this event for them, and the head woman I won't say any names, but the head woman was saying, "Women don't need to be fixed." You know, we have, there's this perception that women lack confidence and there's something wrong with us. And that's not the case. And, and then she left stage right and shut the door. Then I came on and I said, so who feels like they lack a little bit of confidence? And every single person put their mm. hand up. <laughs> yeah. But in a way, it's it's not about fixing women. It's No. It's about people being a little bit more open and vulnerable. And that has been born out over lockdowns with people on Zoom calls and MS Teams calls and goodness else knows, goodness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. Teams, Zoom, yeah. Blue Jeans, whatever, you you know, yeah. um, Citric, Webex, yeah, yeah, Cisco yeah. Systems. Exactly. Yes. yes. Clean feed, mm, yeah. all the rest of it. <laughs> and that's been born out on Zoom or MS Teams or whatever over the last year or so and beyond as people work virtually, that people have actually had little more interaction with each other in a family way, you know, in a kind of family, a team as a family way. So you are literally in your back bedroom uh, or trying to work out some kids, dogs, hamsters, sewage situation behind you. And it has made us all a little bit more um, vulnerable and open with each other. And I've heard that from people saying, yeah, I got to know my team members much better Uh, than I ever would have done had we just continued going into the office all the time. So that's really nice. But unless we begin to accept, and I don't think men have any more confidence than women. I really don't. But women think uh, are much more able to talk about it, share how they feel. Men perhaps would go to seek cover um, and, you know, stride around a little bit more and apply for jobs, sod it, that kind of thing. And I think we can learn from each other And I don't think anyone needs fixing, but I may be in certain cultures or businesses or organizations, there is a kind of real male dominant stride about it. You know, there's a kind of vibe that you have to be all, you know, bravado and machismo and flying all the time. (laughs) When actually the holistic, gentle leader is someone who's going to encourage their teams along and is actually a better person for it and a better leader for it rather than going, I'm really confident, hurrah, look at me. 
None of that. It's rubbish. Yeah, I'm, uh, I think anyone that says I'm really confident, hurrah, look at me, is actually not confident. It's sad, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're filling a gap somewhere. So, so let's let me just um, round up some of our great tips. So I, I love this. We've gone full circle because we started the conversation and early doors you said, you know what? Confidence isn't a private matter. I think it's really important to talk about it. And now we are talking about confidence in a way. And it, we took, and it, guess what? Everybody's feeling the same. Everybody's yeah. like, I know I've got an imposter. I've got that there on my shoulder. I mean, I, I go around asking people to name their voice of doubt. So have a think about that, Penny. Well, <laughs> I've had yeah. Junkie Janets and, you know, negative Nancys. Yeah. And I had cynical Cyril on my shoulder. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> self talk Sybil, I've got. Um, self talk Sybil. Yeah. Yeah. I do the same because it's so important. And the names you give him, the names that you call your negative self-talk or the, the downer person who's going, oh, you idiot. Oh, you stupid girl. Why did you wear those trousers today? It's a really warm day. You're going to get really hot. Oh, you're such a numpty. And you know, <laughs> people do talk to themselves in a way that they wouldn't ever dare to anyone else. Yeah. Um, is to I make know that, I do that. Yeah. It's to make that yeah. name a, a, a comedy figure. So I had a yes. mate who was quite depressed to the point at some times where he wouldn't leave the house he wouldn't go on the tube because he, he his negative self-talk got out of control people were looking at him he was paranoid and it was terrible and we talked about naming it naming the voice that speaks to you in that negative way because it's not you it really isn't you it's not a proof of evidence it's not proof that you're wrong it's not a, a critical voice that's accurate at all and he went, yeah, 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 no, I've named it. I was like, oh, that's great news. What have you named it? And he went, I've called it The Rat. <laughs> I went, mate, you've given it way too much power. That's like yeah, the baddie yeah. in a pantomime. Ooh, yeah. it is the rat, this pernicious, mm. nasty, evil creature in our culture anyway. Yeah. How about Roland the Rat? He's like, Roland oh, Rat, yeah. yeah. Roland Rat. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, make it a small, squishy <laughs> comedy name yes. rather than this big, dominant critic. Overpowering, yeah. yes. Yeah. So so another thing is we've talked about not being a perfectionist. Perfectionism is the enemy. Mm. Stop colouring in and sketch your future rather than colouring in the edges. Yeah. And also... Get yourself a dossier. Sex up your dossier. <laughs> I yeah. love that. Your dossier of wins. Your dossier of achievements. It's not a bad thing to do. And I've got an um I've got a whole folder full of testimonials which I use for my for my literature and my books and my my newsletters and things. And and I forget sometimes, like, oh yeah, I'll just put that in the testimonial. I'll put that in the testimonial. And then I actually stop and read some of them again. I think oh, I changed somebody's life. Yeah. They got a new job. They literally are like, they're earning quadruple what they used to earn. Yes. You know, they, they've just, they've blossomed. Yeah. And they wrote about it. I've, you know, I've got to read these testimonials. Like they really, people, people really took the tips on board. You know, somebody, you know, did some public speaking when they were never going to be on stage before. They thought they could never do it. And, and you helped change it. it. I, see, I know, it and is I, remarkable, I just forget. But we are so in the business of, getting that kind of material um, that we kind of gloss over it, I think, and don't pay enough attention to it. But in the same way, most people who aren't professional speakers, actors who need five-star reviews or whatever, um, don't collect anything to do with how good they are. So yeah. I think maybe there's a middle ground. Yes, yeah. and we should take testimonials with a pinch of salt in order yeah. to not get too complacent. 
yes or too arrogant about what we do yeah. um but i mean equally you need to have something in yes. written down on paper <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, do save your wins and your compliments and the good things that you've done and a project that you led. You've got to have those success stories, but there is not a sh- you're not being a show off. They're just really important things. That's part of your job. It's part of your job to, to um, save them up because um, actually being successful in your job is part of your job in itself mm. as well. That's another tip. That's very Penny, true, yeah. How can we hear from you? Where is your podcast? Where where can we hear about the, the confidence reset? Um, what Where shall I send people? Send people to pennyhaslam.co.uk that's www. <laughs> do you remember we used yes. to say that on air yes <laughs> www.pennyhaslam.co.uk and there you can find loads of information um, about how to make yourself a little more confident there's confident downloads there's um, access to information about the, my talk that I do and the workshops that I run the other thing we haven't even mentioned, if you go to pennyhaslam.co.uk, you can get her book, oh, yes. Bit Famous. It's really, I've read the book. It's a fantastic book. Thank you. And it's all about how to shine in, get into the spotlight and get yourself a bit of press and get yourself interviewed wherever you can and what to say. And if you don't, if you can't think of anything to talk about, it gives you loads of amazing ideas. So Penny Haslam, thank you so much thank for joining you, me Esther. today. You Brilliant are podcast. Thank you. Shining. Give yourself a round of applause. Oh. And put this in your sex up dossier. I will. I love that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Virtually Confident Podcast. This podcast has been produced and recorded by Chatterbox Voices and Alchemy Post. It's also been sponsored by the Speak Like a She-Boss Challenge. Check it out at www.estherstanhope.com.